as careers in community, I think I think there's a lot a lot to kind of shed, a lot of opportunities to shed the old. There's a lot of old waterfall-esque ways of doing it, and um, there's a lot of opportunities to to create recreate what a community role is. Hey, friend, it's David Dubinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Rosie Sherry. Rosie has been working in the community field uh, for 15 plus years, um, building community for 15 plus years, a true leader in the field. Uh, she was the founder of Ministry of Testing, where she worked there from 2007 to 2019. Uh, you'll learn about how that community got started. Uh, and how she was able to grow it. And she also worked at Indie Hackers, a very popular online community for indie hackers, um, solopreneurs, founders. Uh, she worked there from 2019 to 2021. Um, and in the last few months of 2022, has been a solopreneur uh, with a portfolio of products and services all around community building. As someone who's been working in the community field myself at the Chief of Staff Network and BizOps Network, I was really excited to learn from Rosie on this episode. We also talk about how to be better as a community professional, where there are opportunities, what the career path may look like for community professionals. You also learn about building a community-led business, minimum viable communities, uh, also known as MVC, a framework that Rosie has uh, popularized, uh, and so much more. So if you're interested in building community as a business, as a side project, this episode is definitely for you. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Rosie. Rosie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, so as we're getting started, I'm curious about Ning. What, what did you love about Ning? Ning. Wow, you, you've done your homework. Uh, Ning. Uh, well, when it came out, I think it was 2007. Uh, that's when I started using it. That's when I started like Ministry of Testing. It was based on Ning. That's, you know, 15 years ago. It's a long time. Um, and I think Ning is probably like the, it's, it's the original no-code community solution. It was easy to get something up and running. It was easy to have discussions. It was easy to post events, to write, to write blogs. I had all of it, to be honest. And I think actually like comparing it to other tools today, you know, still a lot of those tools uh don't really bring all of that together easily. Um, and yeah, I was able to do that back in 2007. So yeah, for, for, for me, it was great. It's like, I, I was at the time I was trying to explore community building and I saw it come, come on the market per se. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try this. It's like, what, what community can I build with this? And I was like, right, I'm going to build a testing community because I know about testing. Mm -hmm. And then, and so that was the start. Yeah, uh, and then so testing community uh, ministry uh, of testing, and then so talk to us a little bit about uh, about that and kind of I guess uh, mostly around kind of uh, I think what's really interesting is especially at that time uh, you were able to really like stabilize and sustain it and it turned into a you know kind of a a growing thriving business so to speak so maybe talk to us a little bit about going from you know 
idea, you know, early stages community to kind of thriving, sustaining community business? Yeah. Um, so like, I, I mean, like I originally started it as like a side project. I never, it was never the intention to think that I could grow it into business. It wasn't really top of my agenda. I was just um, looking to do community stuff. Um, I had stumbled into community, had done some meetups and there weren't really any jobs around in community that time. Uh, the, the very occasional job that came up was probably like Yelp, working at Yelp as a like community manager. Um, and obviously there wasn't remote stuff. So my way to get into community was to create my own. And um, so I did. And I, I th- you know, so it was a side hobby. It was a side gig for probably about three years. I, I made a bit of money in those first three years, but not not anything significant it was more like covering the costs of ming and uh you know other other things i can't quite remember that i was i was paying for but like after after three years of doing it i was like uh, this is like kind of taking up my time i want i want to make it work and for me to make it work in in my head at least i need to commit to it as a business so um i started exploring options um to turn it into business and I guess because because it had been around th- three years, and because like I was a tester, I knew enough about testing. And then, because of the three years of doing that, I knew a lot about the market. I just like started doing stuff that I thought would work. Um, I did a newspaper at one point, which was fun, and it worked in the sense that people loved it. But as as a money making thing, it didn't work um, to you know bring any reliable revenue. Um, but it did feed into what eventually kind of made money, which was events and conferences. And I was just convinced that the software testing industry needed um, good events. I didn't think there were any good events. And I was like, well, I'm going I'm to do something. I'm going to bring something more affordable. I'm going to make it community-driven, community-led, um, which is a phrase these days. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create change for the industry that, that it so desperately needs because the only thing there at that time was like really expensive conferences. They were very corporate you know, you had to go in suits um, <laughs> kind of thing, you know, very formal, uh, very salesy. Like you'd get, you know, sit there and sit through like a sales talk. And I was like, you know, our, our industry needs more than that. So, yeah, and, and I, I guess like the rest is history. It's not history, but like the events was the thing that started to bring sustainability I made a bit of money in the first year and then just like every year it grew and grew. And I, I worked as close as I could with the community. The community started asking for events in other, other locations. And by the, like my first event was, was 2011. By the time like, um, like COVID 2020, I guess, or 2019, we did um, nine events in nine different countries we had uh, a membership business, which was um, small, but proved to be life-saving when COVID came around. And we had 100 meetups across the world, um, community-led meetups. And it was a, a six-figure, like $1.5 million uh, annual revenue. Um, and it employs eight, nine, nine people. So that's, that's kind of nice. And... I stepped back three years ago and I don't really have to do anything for that now. So that's, you know, 
uh, you know, I, I just sneak that part in there lightly, but like, um, <laughs> it was actually quite a big task to find someone to, to take it over. But, you know, I'm very grateful that I managed to find someone. He, I, I see him now as kind of like the third co-founder, my husband being the second, who, who helped me with the tech throughout the whole, most of the journey. Um, but now, now it's his kind of baby to take forward, but like we, we own it between three of us. Um, and luckily it's, it's, it's worked out so far. Yeah. And so it sounds like uh, to the community builder, that's got a side project uh, that is doing it on the side and that's totally, you know, it's totally great. Uh, it seems like, you know, you kind of found something that was working, which you mentioned events and conferences and you kind of like doubled down on that and you're like, okay, we, we can do this and, and this can be sustainable. And so we're just going to, we're going to do that. So the, so maybe, I don't know if it's, you know, to the community builder that's trying to figure out the business model or thinking about things. It's like, if you find something that works, like stick with that. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people see, like when they think of business and they think of like business models for communities, they automatically jump to oh, like paid membership and stuff like that. Um, but really, I think the, the power of community is, is that kind of deep, deeper connection with the people being able to like communicate well and communicate with trust and work with them in a way that other companies can't work with. And that leads to a lot, a lot more kind of like deeper insights in, into the industry you're serving. Um, so like when I, when I think of like business models for communities, it's like, well, you could do almost anything and still serve your community. You could sell products, you could create a shop, you could do events, you could do services, you could do recruitment. This is like, you know, essentially anything as a normal business you know there's only a limited amount of ways to make money in life but all of those business models could apply to community you just got to figure out what one it is for yours or what what multiple types of revenue revenues um, or revenue you have coming in so for ministry of testing it, it was events events are now coming back but it was also sponsorship and advertising um, and then it was also membership so it's like there's essentially three revenue streams for Ministry of Testing. Um, I, th- I think like multiple revenue streams actually makes it safer um, instead of relying on one, one single one. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, it started off as kind of a side project and talk to us a little bit about uh, minimum viable community and how you know, that framework might be applicable to people that are trying to start side projects of you know, just bringing together like-minded people in their industry, et cetera. Maybe talk to us a little bit about that framework and how that may apply to kind of a, a side project of starting a community. Yeah, sure. Obviously, it's like very much inspired from MVP, Minimal Viable Product. And when I kind of stood back from Ministry of Testing uh, three years ago, uh, I kind of made a commitment to myself that I, I wanted to dive more into the community community world. I wanted to write about it, share my experience and just um, try to get better at thinking about community and why was it that Ministry of Testing worked um, and why have so many people tried to do community stuff and just just failed, basically. And um, what I feel like I've discovered is that the more, the more I delve into the community world, the more I kind of feel like people are tackling it from a waterfall perspective. They're still like, I'm going to launch a community. 
you know, they're still, they still have this like launch mentality that like, I'm just going to uh, create something and launch it and it will work. Whereas if we take the more indie business startup mindset, it's like, you can't just launch stuff and expect it to work. You have to iterate, you have to experiment, you have to be willing to, to try stuff um, to be able to get to that successful community. And, and then I look back at like my experience and I was like, well, literally my whole experience with Ministry of Testing was doing all these MVCs. I was like constantly trying stuff out. I was constantly experimenting. Um, like, you know, like I didn't get to events overnight. It literally took four years to get to one event and then to get to like multiple events a year. That took another five years. So it's like constantly, constantly iterating, constantly trying stuff. And trying stuff and feel it, seeing like how it feels as well. Like I think quite often, uh, I think indie hackers are also very guilty of this. But it's like people dream of like having a, a SaaS product, right? But actually, the reality of building, maintaining, growing a SaaS product is is actually um, really really hard, um, and perhaps not suited for everyone. So it's like that's in the reality of a community as well. It's like, it looks great that you have this large community to serve, but actually like the reality behind the scenes is you have to create content all the time. You have to keep people happy. You, you have to keep people coming back. You, you know, you have to deal with um, harassment. You have to deal with unhappy people. You have to uh, deal with people complaining all the time. <laughs> it's like, you know, I think people like underestimate that kind of stuff in community um but yeah i mean like going back to mvc it's like I, I want to communicate to people that we have to experiment in community and that you can't just the, the most common thing is like people come to me and they ask what tools should i create to use to build community and i'm like well if you don't know the tool and you haven't really done your research so go back and do some go back and do some research go back and start talking to your people have have conversations so, so yeah, I mean, like everything about community at the moment, I'm trying to like bring it back to the simplest form. And the simplest form for me are things like MVCs. People understand what MVC is almost immediately after saying it. Um, and when, and when, they, when they see it, they're like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. So say, I shouldn't go out and just um, spin up a Discord or Slack. I should maybe... Uh, talk to a few people or maybe create a little event or maybe have some one-to-one conversations and then after I've done that I should decide what's the next thing that I can do to to build upon that to start creating community so yeah and like the feedback that I get like a lot of the time like talking like this is that people get it once I say it but they have to hear it first and then they start to realize you're right let's 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 take it step by step let's not expect these big things to happen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, you know, people, and I don't want to pass judgment, but it seems like people are, you know, recently, especially in the last couple of years, like are believing more and more in this type of uh, approach to building a business, community led, as you mentioned. And uh, so they're like, they're interested in it, but uh, they don't realize how long it takes. And, and uh, so there's the kind of maybe like this mismatch. And so it sounds like you're saying, well, okay, let's just start basic. Even if you believe that and you have this vision of what you, where you want to take it, you got to start with conversations in the MVC. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the problem is, is like people get excited about it because they see some of the success stories, right? 
but the success stories is like they, they don't see the pain behind the success stories. They don't see like the, the years of work or the, 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 the experiments that have failed. And they immediately jump to, you know, seeing this active community and that's what they want. Yeah. And you mentioned that the the transition from Ministry of Testing was was tough, and then you, you kind of hinted a little bit at India Hackers. Um, talk to us a little bit about how how you were thinking about just like I want to hang out in this this group. I want to hang out around India Hackers. I want to uh, just kind of be around this place and kind of see what's going on, and maybe even lurking, uh, as some may call it. And, and how kind of being around and and how that led to uh, working there. And it sounds like they initially needed help with like Twitter or something like that. Uh, talk to us a little bit about like that kind of transition and, and how you were able to kind of attract that opportunity or how that opportunity found you. Yeah. Um, so I was basically looking to step back from ministry of testing. And if, you ever, if you've ever started any kind of business and you're trying to like step away from it it's actually like really hard to not like stick your nose in it daily see what's happening and try to help um and I figured well the best way to like stop me look you know sticking my nose in is to uh, not only sticking my nose in but also like the team coming to me for help because I was sticking my nose in and I was like making myself available you know it's a bit of a you know you know it's not just me it's the, the whole situation but um I was looking for an excuse to be able to say no to them um, so, and as part of that, I've, I've always had this interest in, in business and in, in indie indie businesses, um, bootstrap, ministry of testing was bootstrap. I had done a very early interview with indie hackers, the kind of text-based interviews that, that they started with, that Cortland started with. So Cortland kind of knew me. Um, and I, rem- I remember like in those days, he was sharing the, the interviews on Hacker News and when my one went out shortly after I shared mine and it got a bunch of upvotes and stuff. So he, he, he clearly remembers that as like part of, part of the journey. It's like, it's not only Cortland that needs to submit them, but also uh, people who do the interviews can submit them as well and help kind of gain traction for indie hackers. Um, but I was trying to show up on a regular basis at indie hackers and I was, I was struggling to do that, but, on one day that I did, I saw that Colin was looking for help um, with Twitter. And I was like, oh, I could do that. I know it's like way above my, way below my, my uh, exp- you know, pay grade kind of thing. But I was like, actually, it'd be really cool to see how Indie hack- Hackers works from the inside and get some insight there. I wanted to learn more about community. And um, part of me was like, well, I've done ministry of testing, but is that like a one trick pony kind of thing? Could I really do anything with other communities could I you know do I know what I'm talking about um all this like self-doubt starts creeping in right <laughs> but um yeah so I just reached out to him and I was like oh I could do that for you you know I'd be up for doing Twitter and he was like what and he was like um but don't, don't you know don't you have a business and I was like no I'm not. well I do but I'm stepping back uh, and we had to chat and then like after that chat he was like you'd be better off like leading the community so I was like, yeah, all right, <laughs> I'll do that. Um, but yeah, I, I started off like with a part-time commitment as a contractor. And then like after, I think it was after three months, I went full-time as a contractor. So I was a contractor the whole time. And yeah, I, I ended up, like I guess, leading the community for, for two years. Um, I ended up doing Twitter as well as part of that. 
and I had a lot of fun doing that. And and so what what do you think were some of the kind of transferable skills that you've kind of seen that were from ministry testing to then indie hackers or, you know, to the, obviously like the relationships are hard to, to, to transfer as you, as you kind of move on to different roles and stuff, but any other kind of maybe like community specific uh, types of skills that, uh, you know, you saw kind of transfer over or that you think are kind of transferable for people to like learn and, you know, continue to sharpen. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest one is helping people. Like, um, uh, I'm not sure if enough people like see community as like an opportunity to help people. And I think I've I've kind of realized after doing indie hackers that um, actually one of the things that I'm great at is like spotting opportunities to help people or, or finding finding creative ways to to, to help people and um, lift them up and and how you do that like with each community is going to be so different. So like how I would do that with ministry of testing, um, that, that was more in lines of, I'm going to give someone their first uh, uh, writing gig, or I'm going to tweet out their first, uh, a blog post and be the first one to do that. Hope ideally be the first one to do that. I like being the first. It's, it's a mental <laughs> model of mine. Um, or I would help them find their first speaking gig um, at one of my conferences, for example. Um, with the indie hackers, their motivations are different. So, you know, it's a case of like tapping into, well, what, what are the motivations for, for doing that? And I think like I managed to tap into that quite, quite well just by starting conversations, inviting people to, to uh, contribute ideas, create, creating a loop between Twitter and, and indie hackers. So, you know, it's like talking about people on Twitter um, because of the conversations that they've had on indie hackers, helping them get more followers, helping them get their first sales, helping like posts that maybe hadn't gained enough traction, gain more traction, or uh, tapping into like particular ideas that they've shared that are really interesting and that deserved sharing, sharing on a wider basis, stuff like that. So it's like, I think that's probably like one of the biggest things for community that that is transferable transferable i guess it's like how, how do you help people how do you help people get from a to b because that's that's really why people come into community and like the more the more i think about it it's like people they don't want to go there to have conversations they want to go there to to grow they want to go there to have help or, or give back um, and understanding why people are showing up and helping them achieve what they want to achieve is ultimately what keeps people coming back yeah being the first, I, I remember the uh, the the first guest uh, on my podcast was my roommate at the time, uh, and you know I, I don't think he was intentional uh, by it, but still remember him. You know, it always <laughs> it it always comes back to, and not always comes back, but it goes back to. Uh, I always got that story as who was the first. Yeah, I mean, like for me, like it's like when people like have their first speaking gig. Right, they'll always remember their first speaking gig. For example, so like if I can, if I can give people their first speaking gig at Ministry of Testing, which I did quite quite a lot actually, um, people like hold on to that as as a memory, and not to turn like community into marketing, but like memories are marketing. It's like you know, it's forever marketing. It's like this is what people hold on and onto in their hearts, and it's what they remember um, in in positive ways, hopefully. And that's what they end up talking about and sharing about. And 
in, in theory, it should help more people come in a more community-led kind of way. Yeah, love that. And so that's how I started working working there. And then uh, kind of a little bit, maybe full circle a little bit, you're kind of a indie hacker, independent uh, bootstrapper on your own these days. Uh, talk to us about yeah, how you were thinking about kind of creating different products and services because, you know, in the community space and just in general, a lot of it is, as you're saying, just helping people and just give, 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 give. Uh, talk to us a little bit about like how you were thinking about kind of being independent and and what you were going to offer or are offering and um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I thinking about my journey. So like I have ministry of testing. Um, I get like passive passive income from that. Um, which is like a really uh, kind of amazing place to be in. On top of that, like when I when I was doing like indie hackers, I was therefore getting paid twice, which is extra nice. It's like starting dipping into these like extra ways to make money. And then, so so it's like it's even though I was like making that extra money, I wasn't really spending it. I was like trying to think about how best to use it. I had to like pay off, pay down our mortgage or pay for a renovation that we've just done or help pay towards a renovation that we've just done. Um, but I, yeah, I guess, I guess I, I love the multiple uh, revenue aspects, uh, just like ministry of testing has multiple revenue streams within it. I think having multiple revenue streams um, as a person or as a family um, is, is super important. The, the other revenue stream that we have is uh, property. So we've had, you know, a second and now third property for, for a few years now. So that's another angle. And really, like, Rosaland is adding on to that. It's, like, it's, it's another angle that, that I want to explore. I'm totally making it up as I go along. I'm, I'm totally tapping into what, what I enjoy doing. Um, and I enjoy writing. And I, I didn't used to write before. I didn't used to teach ministry of testing. I never taught. I, I hid behind everyone else. I never got on stage. I didn't really write much. I was just there like to trying to help the community. But with Rosaland, it's a bit different where I feel I feel a need to do that. I feel like I've got ex- experience that no one else has. And the idea is that the more I kind of dive into community, I'm like, oh my God, why is no one talking about this? We should be talking about it. So those ideas turn into articles. And then in time, those articles have turned into into mini courses and then it's turned into a cohort and they all, they all kind of serve each other. So like uh, the content I create for courses that I do, um, I also um, use that to write articles. So essentially all my course content will be in the form of articles as well. I, with Rosaline, I have, I have membership um, I have a community, a job board. Um, I do the cohort. Uh, yeah. I do like advising, coaching, Lurk as a service is what I call it, kind of a monthly kind of retainer thing. And I'm still trying to figure out, like, do I do I want to keep doing those various angles within Rosaland? Do I want to, you know, go deep into into one one particular area and focus on that? Um, I I don't know yet. I like I like doing a bit of everything at the moment, and part of it is also kind of just like seeing who actually signs up to stuff. I'm always changing my mind, at least in my head, not necessarily action in it, but, you know, I'm never sure about like the membership model. Is it, is it, is it the best way to grow? 
I think it works for some people um, if they start at the right time. I think, like for example, like Lenny's newsletter, I, like, I think he started at the right time. And if you don't start at the right time, it's hard. And I think like trying to do membership now is actually actually pretty hard. I've seen a couple of kind of independent style community stroke newsletters just continue in its very basic form and without payment because it became too much to to continue delivering on. So it's you know I think I think membership is hard. I, I like how I, I don't think like people realize that enough at Peter levels um his nomad list list is like a hundred dollars like lifetime payment for access to a community and I, I actually think like lifetime payments for communities are, are super interesting and you know people have barriers to sign up to recurring uh, subscriptions at the moment so offering lifetime memberships is to me super uh, a super interesting model that not enough communities are exploring so yeah there's a bunch of stuff that like I'm always like thinking about what's what's the best way to do it I don't know but like yeah last month I made I made more than like my my previous day job where I was working at a startup um so yeah I'm, pre- I'm pretty pleased about that it's like when you go from like a six-figure salary and then you know you go back to indie hacking um and then yeah and more than that that's to me, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not monthly recurring revenue, but I think I can kind of get to that point quite quite easily. And I don't have many meetings. You know, I'm reducing my hours. I'm chilling out a lot more. So you know, it's it's a, a good good place to be. Yeah, uh, super inspiring. I love what. And right now, you're trying to work twenty hours a week. Yeah, that's my goal. I've had that goal <laughs> for so long, for so long. But yeah, that's. I think that's my goal, and I think it's important to to keep that in mind. And I tweet it to keep to keep myself accountable, especially when people like you bring it up. I was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do that. Um, but like, it's it's quite funny because um, I run this really small um, indie community. It's just like a Discord uh, server, Discord community, um, and um, I set I set it up in frustration of all these communities that were being set up and people would join and then never come back and never participate. And like, as a, as a community builder, it's like really frustrating to, to experience that. So I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to set up a community and I'm going to put the barrier to pay like a one-off fee just to like stop people joining, make sure only people who wanted to join um, joined. But on top of that, I was like, the payment is not enough. Um, so I'm gonna gonna make it so that you have to participate or you get booted. Um, so <laughs> people get booted after like 30 days. Well, they're supposed to. In, in reality, it's probably more like 60 days I give them, but uh, I try to nudge them back in. But yeah, it's 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 been an interesting uh, way to build community, and I've it's it's really nice in there. I've actually built some great relationships, probably more relationships that than I actually built up at Indie Hackers, to be honest, because they're just like. Uh, less people but they show up on a regular basis and that's that's what you need in communities people showing up on a regular basis to to kind of build build that connection and understanding yeah (laughs) interesting incentives too (laughs) (laughs) what else would you say to um to the professional that's you know kind of either leading community has a side 
uh, side community, uh, side project community, you know, is doing it as a, as a freelance, um, you know, as the, uh, as the industry continues to grow and stuff. And, uh, what else would you say to, to that person that's getting going and, and wants to be in this industry longer term? Yeah, it's a good question. I think like I have frustrations that, um, I guess like as community b- builders, we're not like really thinking about the, the whole picture. Um, as as an example, like people, the same question has like come up a few times just in the past few days. So just to use it as, as an example, um, people don't know how to get members to participate. They just don't know. They, 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 they arrive in the community, they might introduce themselves and then, and then crickets and community builders don't know how to deal with that. And that's probably like what well, I guess that's probably going to be like my next project is figuring out how to help people get people engaged. And I wrote I wrote something recently about the community engagement trap, where quite often like we're we're so worried about engagement that we're like end up pushing the wrong kind of engagement that isn't actually helpful or meaningful. But I guess yeah, go, going back to like community as as a career, it's it's kind of like we need to figure this stuff out. And there's like to me, I get excited because there's so much opportunity to help pe- people figure this out. Um, and the engagement trap is really not understanding your people enough, in my opinion. It's like, if you understood your people, you would know the kind of conversations to encourage and to have and to pull them in. And I, I just don't think people people know, know how to do that. So, and as, and as part of that, I've kind of come up with the term community discovery, which is kind of your, your kind of... Uh, similar to product discovery and um, it's like do your research before starting community understand your people understand their pain points understand what what triggers them um, and and use that to help build better communities um, but yeah going back to careers it means there's so many opportunities to to do better to to be creative um, i think there's been a lot of buzz around community i think it's, it's dying down a bit i think generally tech is dying down a bit a little bit but um, I think um, my, my main worry with all the increased awareness around community is that all these people are coming into community and they don't know what they're doing. They don't, they don't really know how to build community. And as a result, there's probably like, especially like with Web3, there's all these people thinking that they know how to build community, but actually like all their efforts are, are not working. So as, as careers in community, I think, I think there's a lot, a lot to kind of shed a lot of opportunities to shed the old. There's a lot of old waterfall-esque ways of doing it. And um, there's a lot of opportunities to, to create recreate what a community role is. And that's what, you know, I would encourage everyone to, to think about. It's like, just because they've been done a certain way doesn't mean that that's how we need to do them now. And we, we have opportunity, opportunities to do that. And there are signs of it changing, like job roles are changing. Uh, there's more specific roles available now. There's like community operations. I'm evangelizing for community growth role, someone that focuses on growth, community design. You know, all, the, all these terms were never used like two, three years ago, really. Um, but people are starting to use them now. Um, so there's, there's opportunities to define what those mean, which is, to me, it's a great place to be. I love it. Is there anything else you'd want to share? And 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 while you're thinking about that, uh, please let listeners know where else they can continue to learn more and Twitter, website, et cetera. But if there's anything else that you want to share as you think about 
the kind of the portfolio of Rosie and, and, you know, the, you know, the community industry and the career path, uh, if there's anything else, uh, otherwise I would love to hear where people can continue to learn. Yeah. I mean, I guess like the portfolio is, is amazing. I think people, you know, dream of that. Um, I haven't really spoken about it too much, but I, I think like the portfolio to me, like, you know, gives me the freedom to work on the things that I love and it gives me the freedom to say no to the things that I don't. Um, it's, it's never really about the money for me. It's more about, I, I just want freedom to do what, do what makes me happy. So that's, that's the most powerful thing that, you know, is worth, I think it's worth striving for, but you know, it also takes time. Like I've been doing it like 15 years now. So, you know, people, people forget that same with community. It's like, they want, they want the portfolio career, uh, now, um, just like people want communities now without doing the actual work. Um, but yeah, to find me, Rosie Sherry on Twitter and rosie.lab is where I write and share and do things all around community. Amazing. Thank you so much, Rosie. Thank you. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much. 